G'day, g'day. Welcome to the EFTM Podcast. Great to have your company and thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Um, thank you for your loyalty. It's wonderful to have your company again here on the EFTM Podcast. A little bit later in the day for me as I'm recording because it's been a busy one. Um, many excuses to come about everything that I haven't been able to do today. Um, that's just life. You've got to give excuses or reasons. Are they excuses when they're the reason? So if I said to you... Um, you know, I've been doing calls this afternoon at you know four o'clock instead of what I would normally do at eleven o'clock or twelve o'clock. Um, if I said to you the podcast is late today, um, because I went and saw my son play baseball this morning and wanted to enjoy that couple of hours and take him back to school and whatnot, um, is that an excuse or a reason? Very good point. Because an excuse. I'm going to look it up. Excuse uh, to seek to lessen the blame attaching to. To try and justify. Hmm. I'm not trying to justify. I am justifying. So let's start again. Uh, the reason the show is a little bit late today and the reason the calls have been made later in the day is because I've had other things on today. Um, I had uh, my son's, <laughs> son's baseball. Uh, and then I had um, an interview with the Minister for Communications, the incumbent Minister for Communications, Paul Fletcher, uh, the member for Bradfield in Sydney, um, because he's in charge of the NBN and he's running for election. And we should talk about that. Um, exactly as I promised to. Will you hear from the Labor Party on this show? Completely up to them. Uh, and I'll go into that in a little bit more detail when I speak to Minister Fletcher or, or as I introduce him. But the fact is I've, I've asked, I've tried really hard, I've emailed, and the last email I got from the people I've been talking to was, oh, no, you need to call these people. And when you put me on to someone else, uh, that, that really frustrated me. The two individuals who work for Ms. Rowland and Chris Bowen, um, who had given me their emails about interviews, they knew what we were doing. Um, then when I chased them for the like third or fourth time, so, oh, no, you've got to talk to the ALP media team in Canberra during elections. Well, I mean, you could have told me that three weeks ago. So I'll be honest, there's only one more show before the election, and I'll record that next Tuesday, and... I don't have really much time this week. I could probably do something on Friday if they want to arrange that or maybe Monday next week. But otherwise, you know, horse bolts. Now, are you changing your vote based on whether or not Chris Bowen or Michelle Rowland appear on this show? No. But would it be nice to hear from both sides of, uh, not an argument, both sides of the potential candidate field i mean hello that's what it's all about right so i'm disappointed um uh, it says a lot about everything and everyone but could be a strategy thing could just be but we're you know we're just little, this little thing in the corner and that it's not going to make any impact on them i get that they're time poor cool but frankly you should just say that they should just respond and say sorry we don't have time um we're a bit busy with mainstream media outlets cool 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 cool, cool. no dramas of course if they said that i would go straight to my mainstream media outlets and say, isn't this stupid? Anyway, I'll, they've got a few more days. So let's hope, because especially now we've had Paul Fletcher on, I'd love to hear from Michelle Rowland. Um, I have a 50-50 confidence in Angus Taylor coming on, but his campaign, as I mentioned, was cut um, you know, down by a lot due to the death of his father, and no one would uh, begrudge him that time with his family. Uh, so if he's busy in his electorate, I get that. But... Uh, but, you know, it's actually in an election like this, you want to hear more from the opposition than you do the incumbents. Do we care what Paul Fletcher thinks? He's doing his thing. They're not going to change much, I'm assuming. We'll ask him. But we actually want to hear from the people that want to change things. How are you going to change it? How are you going to make the NBN better? What are you going to do differently? How are we going to encourage people to buy electric cars? These are all the questions you want to ask. But if they don't show up for the questions, ain't much I can do about it. Anyway, got a couple of calls, got Paul Fletcher, and then we'll be on our way uh, on this shorter edition of the EFTM podcast. So apologies for my timing and whatnot, but it's a very busy week. There's a lot going on. I have a lot to get through this week. Uh, and yeah, looking forward to taking your calls. If you've got a question, go to the website, EFTM.com. Of course, you can also leave a rating or review on the uh, Apple Podcast Store, which uh, Beretta59 
did only this only last week. I always enjoy Trevor's podcast. I've listened every week for a few years now. It gives me something to look forward to. Trevor has an easy conversational style and is always informative. However, Beretta 59, I'm going to blame Apple here, but it shows in my list as being then two question marks after always informative. I reckon you put emojis. Yes, because if someone else has got question marks, I reckon it's emojis. I'll check the actual Apple store and see whether it's emojis there. Thanks for your review. Appreciate that. It means a lot. Uh, new EFTM drink bottles will hit the store blah, probably next week if I get my time to take a photo and put it up, um, which will be cool. They are a beautiful uh, steel look. I've decided we're going to call them Simply Silver. That's the colour. The 2022 model year drink bottles, Simply Silver. On with the show. Thank you for listening to the EFTM podcast. Trevor along with you and taking your calls. Francis is on the line. G'day, Francis. Hi, how are you? Very well. What can I do for you? I got a thing from Foxtel saying that they've given me Prime Amazon mm-hmm. and I didn't know whether I have to pay for it or not. It's a good point, isn't it? Because you get these emails from them saying, we've given you this, we've added this, we've you know done all these things. But it is a little bit unclear that you actually need to be an Amazon Prime subscriber. All they've done as I understand it, is make the app available on your IQ box. Is that the way you see it? Well, yes, I think I've decided that's what's happened. Yeah, so basically if you click on the apps tab on your Foxtel IQ um, or scroll down on the homepage, there's, what is there, Netflix, ABC iView, SPS On Demand, I think there's a YouTube, I think there's even some golf thing or something. But anyway, Amazon Prime is now there, but it's a completely useless thing unless you have an Amazon Prime subscription. Oh, okay. And I'm assuming you're, you've got a solid uh, Foxtel subscription already. How much are you paying them every month? About a hundred bucks. They just, um, yeah, they just because I've been with them for a hundred years. <laughs> Does that... They sent me a thing the other day, and they're giving me movies and Disney Plus apparently, and taking eleven dollars off my account. Wow, that's pretty good. But do you watch movies, and do you need the Disney stuff? Not really. Yeah, see, that, that's the challenge, Francis. You know, it's all—it's wonderful that they did reach out because I was going to say it's very rare for um, any of these big kind of telco slash pay TV providers to actually go to the trouble of contacting you about how loyal you've been to them. Um, and I know they've got those loyalty programs kind of like airlines, but it's not really that big a deal. Um, the fact is that you, what I always recommend people do, Francis, is actually sit down and write a list of everything you watch. So as you watch a show, write it down. And then across the course of a month, look at it and go, where else can I get these programs? Because have you got a smart TV at all or have you just got a basic TV with a Foxtel plugged in? No, it's, um, it's, a, it's an old TV, but I paid about 12 grand for it about 15 years ago. It's got a, a box underneath it. Yeah, so basically the, the alternative to Foxtel is, you know, Binge and KO and all these other kind of apps, uh, which can save you money. But in reality, it is a little bit more complex to get to all those things than it is um, Foxtel. But all I want to say to you, Francis, is if you ever think that maybe $100 a month is a bit too much, then you get back in touch and I'm happy to sit down on the phone here and we'll go through a plan and work out whether or not we can save you some money or whether or not you're actually paying the right amount. All right, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Which telco are you with, by the way, at home? Which Who's your home broadband with? Um, where we because we have to have satellite. Yep. Oh, really got satellite, MBN? Yeah. A sky thing or something. It's sky called. muster. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You live in a rural area or are you just on the fringes? I do. Um, yeah, I live in Coolac. How much do you pay per month for the sky muster? Um, it's about 70 something dollars, I think. And, and do you mind me asking how many people in the home? Two. So do you have any challenges with it? Like is it okay amount of data for you or, or is it completely fine? Um, no, it seems to be okay. I think as long as I don't watch too much Netflix. Yeah. I guess the point there is that, you know, the alternative is the new Elon Musk Skymaster thing. Have you heard about that? Sorry, no. uh, Starlink Skymaster is NBN. Elon Musk Scar- Starlink, it's a satellite, costs you 800 bucks and 140 a month. But it's much faster speeds, like five times the MBN, and uh, unlimited internet, unlimited data. Oh, okay. So if you ever get to, again, that comes back to that point. If you ever get to the point of going, well, am I doing the right thing? 
the long-term plan might be to move away from NBN and Foxtel and look at streaming. But do you know what? If you're happy now, don't change anything. Just make sure you stay on on Foxtel's back and then you're always getting a good price, all right? No worries. Thank you very much for calling me back. Good on you. Thanks for getting in touch. Okay, bye. Have a great day. And, uh, yeah, it's um, it's still a challenging thing. People always go on about Foxtel being too expensive. But there's uh, a woman who lives in Kulak. Now, Kulak, for those that don't know, is in between Jugyong and Gundagai on the Hume Highway. Now, that's, I'm going to say, a four-hour drive probably from uh, from Sydney, and it's clearly a beautiful, quiet, relaxed place. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, that's what that's the lifestyle. That's. That's exactly what they want out of their lifestyle. So um, I was actually just driving down that way recently, but it wasn't past there. But it does look like there's a new big service station going in there, which is exciting. Anyway, that's not for you to worry about right now. Anyway, thanks for your call, Francis. And uh, if you've got a question, you know where to go, EFTM.com. Shout out to Graham Tate, long-time listener and uh, local to me. Um, we've actually had him on the show. Um, he had this cracking yarn that he posted in the EFTM Man Cave. Now, the EFTM Man Cave is a Facebook group. You can join uh, men or women. It's totally cool. Uh, just search the EFTM Man Cave on Facebook, and uh, you've got a request membership, uh, and one of the legends who moderate will let you in, assuming you're not some weirdo. Oh, we don't let them in, although we have let a couple through slip through. Um the uh, they'll let you in, and then you can post uh, questions, articles, whatever you like, um, whatever's going on. Um, but Graham posted a message, and it was uh, it was quite remarkable. He said that Apple AirTags had saved him a ten thousand dollar loss because he's travelling through outback uh, South Australia. He's got a big camera. He's got a Sony RX10 Mark IV, it looks like. A big Panasonic Toughbook laptop. His wallet, his GoPro, a bunch of other things in a backpack. And he noticed they were missing from the car. And then he realised there's an AirTag on the camera and there's an AirTag in the backpack. So he opened up Find My. Opened up Find My and they were in the hotel. So he called management. They found them. And the person allegedly responsible is now talking to police. How cool is that? Great story. Loved it. Such a cool story about AirTags, which you know I'm a massive fan of. And also, great use of the man cave. Love it, Graham. Thank you for sharing that. And lots of people there really encouraged by that. And I think one of the commenters said you'd sold 100 AirTags as a result. It's probably true. <laughs> if You know, people see those examples and go, well, that's actually legit a great use of it. So, yeah, fascinating stuff. And, uh, yeah, Brilliant to uh, brilliant to see that use of um, um, of the Apple AirTags. Um, Apple AirTags are forty five bucks each. I think it's one hundred and forty nine dollars for uh, four of them, and I reckon I've got eight. So yeah, love them. And, you know, if you've got AirTag stories, send them to me. I love hearing them. And although, also, if you've got great stories which you think actually make good news stories, just send me an email because I'm always happy to use those and try and write them up as well. Um, we ran that on 9news.com.au as well because great story. You know, it's a great story of technology. And that's what I love. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. EFTM.com. Click on Ask Trev if you've got a question. Glenn did that. G'day, Glenn. Uh, g'day, Trevor. Look, um, sent you through an email just about my problem that I've got is that mm. we rent a holiday house down yep. south in Perth. And when I come down to the TV that we've got down here, it's a smart TV. But when I go to stream from using my phone, using the hotspot, it lags all the time. Yeah. So what I've decided to do this time, I'm down here now, actually. So I ended up buying, I took your advice from all the other podcasts I've been listening to. Thanks, mate. And I've bought the Chromecast, uh, which is brilliant. The I've had the standard Chromecast, but this time I've got oh, the Oh, you've got the new one with the remote. The new one. Is uh, that, so is that paired to your phone now on Wi-Fi? Yeah, spot on. So I'm doing but I'm still getting a bit of a lag. 
right? So, yeah. which is strange. So, when you say lag, you mean it, like it stops and starts, or buffer? Yeah, buffers. Yeah, so, right, what it'll okay. do, will sit there. So, what I'm getting is that uh, through, and that's through my hotspot. So, yep. then what I decided to do was. I bought one of the uh, – so I was asking you the question was about the uh, getting one of those Wi-Fi uh, yeah. little Telstra things because I bought one of them as well. Right. So I tried that as well through streaming and I still found that even lagged. We get about two or three bars down here. Yeah, so, so, so you're lagged. actually struggling for coverage um, mm. more than actual kind of Wi-Fi connectivity. Is that like – is that what you would say? Yeah, and one of the things that's worked for us so far, so I've got – so I tried, I've got my iPhone yep. and I've got it on hotspot. I've got the um, the, the Chromecast mm-hmm. is on hotspot. Yep. And so I get my wife to go onto KO and stream KO because for some reason it won't let me, I don't know whether it's because it says you've got to be on the same network. If I'm on hotspot, it won't let me stream KO to, you know, like so the, the Chromecast is using KO. So hang on, are you, are you trying to stream KO from your phone to the Chromecast? Yeah, I'm doing that as well. Yeah, so oh. just that's. Have you not installed yeah. the KO app on the Chromecast? Yeah, I've got it there, but it's okay. buffering. It's doing right. the buffering. So, so all the different ways of doing it cause buffering. But and, the and best essentially, way I've worked it out. Yeah, what's found, the best thing? I've, so what I've done is I've got um, Chromecast on uh, using Hotspot Chromecast, and my wife is on using her phone with her KO app and is streaming is casting to the Chromecast, and we don't get any uh, buffering. Is your wife on the same telco as you? Uh, yes, Telstra. Yeah, but mine's with a work one, and she's with a another provider. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, yeah. Look, in the end, what you've what you've essentially diagnosed is you've got a mobile um, mm. range issue, mobile um, yes, coverage issue. Yes, hotspot. How, obviously, it's in the middle of nowhere, is it? There's no other telcos that offer mobile service there. No, there, no, there's not. It's um, and we get about two bars. It goes two bars, three bars, yeah. two bars, three. And look, bars if it was a place you were in eight months out of the year, I'd tell you to get Starlink from Elon Musk. Better, yeah, unbelievable speeds, satellite service. But that's 140 bucks a month, and it's you know, it's yeah, a pretty I serious, don't. pretty serious investment. Um. So yeah, I think unfortunately you're you're the only other thing to do if it's yeah. super imp- like if it's super valuable to you is investigate these things called Cellfi Go. Now they're actually made for cars and things, but there are home versions. Essentially, you want an antenna. So a lot of those little mobile uh, hotspot devices. So instead of using your phone, you buy the little you know Telstra four GX or the Netgear, which is what I got. Nighthawk, perfect. Yeah. Does it have antenna spots in the bottom of it? Little tiny circle copper-looking circle things? No, I don't think it does. I don't think it has the antenna options, yeah. The the Netgear ones have an external antenna connection. Ah. Well, actually, there is some little plugs in the bottom. Pull them out, yeah, pull those out, and there'll be little, little, uh, like, copper gold plugs in there. that's exactly what it is, yes. So do a bit of research. And, look, I'm not saying go to Amazon here, but, crap, it might, might actually be okay, and especially if... This is the holiday house, right? So you could you could throw something yeah. up on the wall and out the, out the window. Um, basically, Absolutely. if you could put something on the roof and a wire down the wall and leave the mm-hmm. hotspot sitting there plugged in, you might actually get more service. Because remember, if you stand on the roof of your house, you're probably going to get an extra bar of coverage. True. So it's worth looking at external antennas for Wi-Fi hotspots. But spend some time. Don't just buy the first one you see because there will be plenty there with, you know, five-meter, ten-meter cables. But look for ones that actually have customer reviews, legit ones, because I don't know whether they have, you know, whether they use power or anything like that, but there will be better ones and there will be cheap ones. You, okay. If you're going to do it, get a good one. Okay, will do. All right, mate. Good luck. Thanks very much. Mate, enjoy the holiday house. Fair dinkum. Right. Life's good, Absolutely. isn't it? It's not bad at all at the moment. <laughs> good on you, mate. Just stay there until the election's over. That's my advice. Oh, yeah, good idea. Too easy. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Good on you. Bye-bye. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, if you could avoid the election entirely, wouldn't you? Not a bad, not a bad thing to do. If I had a holiday house, I'd disappear for a few weeks. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. What about my wife picked up a story this week? emails me a Kmart EDM, you know, um, electronic mail message thing. And um, it was about Kmart selling phones online. So Kmart's website now has Telstra mobile phones, Optus mobile phones, Vodafone mobile phones. Um, they've got from 39 bucks, they've got 
the Telstra Essential. They've got the Samsung A12, the Nokia 2.3, Realme C21. Uh, the top of the Kmart online range is the Samsung Galaxy A22. So it's all affordable stuff. Um, and if you spend more than 65 bucks, it's free delivery. That's not bad. Like, I kind of think about, I often think about who's buying those phones, but, you know, kids' phones, replacement phones, burner phones, whatever it is, it's actually pretty cool uh, to see more competition in the market. It's probably the case that a lot of them are um, essentially exclusive to or uh, niche brands. But, hey, uh, Kmart Online now have mobile phones. So if you're looking for a very simple um, runabout mobile phone, the uh, Galaxy A22 4G in black is 349 Looks like it's been sold out. Um, the Galaxy A... What about this? The Galaxy A22 5G is 289 was three forty nine. I don't know how they got that happening. Anyway, that's price drop. That's pretty cool. Uh, the Samsung A twelve is two forty nine. No, get the A twenty two. That's not a bad price for the A twenty two. TCL twenty B two forty nine. They got some good stuff. So some entry level handsets now available at Kmart. Who to thunk it, eh? This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM podcast. Now I was talking last week about the commitment I made. Um, well, as the election was called to try and give you a bit of a sense of what's on offer uh, in both parties with regards to, I think, the two key areas that affect the stuff I talk about in the world of technology and cars, and that is communications and electric vehicles. Um, And we put out the call to everyone involved. Uh, And as I mentioned last week, um, Paul Fletcher's office, the Minister for Communications, was the first to say, yep, and lock in, and we'll talk to him in a moment. Um, The Minister for Energy, who looks after electric vehicle policy for the coalition, uh, Angus Taylor, had a death in the family and will hopefully be with us either this week or next. Um, but I haven't heard from the Labor Party. Zero, nothing, um, just passing me around the tree. I will try one more time, though I shouldn't have to, but I will try one more time. Otherwise, um, it's up to you to decipher the information that's out there on their behalf. But when it comes to communication, the man that's in charge of communications in Australia is the incumbent Minister for Communications, the member for Bradfield, and that's Paul Fletcher, and he joins me on the line. G'day, Paul. Good to be with you, Trevor. I feel like you're the only person I could have easily just invited to the office because you are in the electorate like 100 metres from me. I'm not far from Pennant Hills Road, but I'm in Julian Lisa's seat. So we're neighbours. We're ju- just over the border, and Julian Lisa is a great, very hardworking MP. And, of course, Pennant Hills Road now a lot quieter than it used to be yes. thanks to North Connect, which opened in 2020. Great project. Solid plug. Um, let's talk communications and uh, specifically the NBN because it has actually come up a little bit over the last couple of weeks. I don't follow every day of campaigning. I think most people don't. Most people like me just watch six, six o'clock news and, you know, there's the odd mention here and there. But I did see something um, from uh, the Labor Party about the NBN, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the NBN. Now, I feel like, though, the NBN has already got a path forward. Is there any change to the way the NBN path forward goes if the coalition retains government? Uh, we've got a very clear path forward. So when we came to government in 2013, we inherited a train wreck of a project. Labor had spent six years, $6 billion, barely more than 50,000 premises connected to the fixed line network. Uh, fast forward to today, there's now 8.4 million premises connected. So we completely turned around the disastrous project we inherited. And it was so important that we did because when the pandemic hit, of all premises were able to connect to the NBN. That was so important with millions of us Mm. overnight moving to work and starting from home when you really needed good broadband. And at the peak uh, of the pandemic, we were getting 40,000 new connections a week. The NBN's traffic levels were up 70% on normal daytime traffic levels and the network uh, handled it very well. And... What we also have done, though, is now that we've got to the point where just about uh, every home in Australia uh, is able to connect, in fact, 12.1 million premises now able to connect, we've been announcing uh, continuing upgrades to the NBN. So there's a $4.5 billion commitment uh, to upgrade the NBN so that by the end of 2023, Mm. 8 million premises around the country will be able to order a speed of up to 1,000 megabits per second or blazing fast broadband. We're getting on with delivering that right now. And I think that was the last time we spoke, which was in late 2020. 
you know, essentially in the well, it might not have been the height of the pandemic. I feel like we thought we were coming out of it at that point, but let's let's not mull on how long the pandemic actually lasted for us and still does in reality. But the last time we spoke was around that gigabit announcement, which was huge. But there's still a gap, isn't there, um, around the fibre to the node customers? I think. If my numbers are correct, there's around 4.1 million premises that have fibre to the node. Um, so there's still a few million that are not accounted for in the plans. Is there a commitment from the government that that will happen uh, by a certain date, say 2027 or anything like that? So our commitment is that there will be 2 million premises that are presently fibre to the node where a customer will be able to order a speed of up to 1,000 megabits per yep. second, and we will upgrade them to fibre to the premises if that order is made so that the technology is there to support the speed that they want to. So if order. someone's and, and the great thing the NBN have done uh, is announce where those premises are. So, so that's that's correct. Of the, of the 2 million, we've now announced 1.7 million of the locations. There's a further 300,000 that will be announced over coming months. And we've already started to accept orders in some of those areas. So we're steadily getting on with uh, upgrading the network so that there'll be the 8 million premises able to order that speed of up to 1,000 megabits per second by the end of 2023. That's what we've committed to. The other Mm. big commitment we've made that is new since the last time you and I spoke, Trevor, is the NBN fixed wireless network. Mm-hmm. So that serves people in remote and regional uh, areas. Yep. Regional areas. And today the top speed is uh, 50 megabits per second. Yep. We're going to do several things as part of the upgrade. Um, first of all, we're going to in- increase the number of people who can be served by that network uh, to around 750,000. And that involves... Does that move people away from satellite then? That's right. So Mm -hmm. 120,000 people are in the satellite footprint today will uh, be able to be served by fixed wireless. Secondly, all 750,000 in the the new expanded fixed wireless footprint will be able to order a speed of up to 100 megabits per second compared to 50 today. And indeed, 85% will be able to get a speed of up to 250 megabits per second and also what we're going to do is double the upload speed. On fixed wireless at the moment, the upload speed is 10 megabits per second. We're going to double that to 20 megabits per second. That's particularly important for businesses who are using a lot of mm-hmm. cloud-based applications where you need good speeds in both directions. And then the last benefit of all of this is that for those who remain in the satellite footprint, because we're deloading the satellite yeah. network, we'll be able to increase your monthly download. It'll go from 50 gigabytes today within two years it'll be 90 gigabytes so that's a significant uh set of uh, positive changes for people on the fixed wireless and satellite networks to complement the changes that we're uh, well advanced in now implementing on the fixed line network do i mean I, there's so many things i want to pick up on the first one is satellite um is, is the satellite network something that i guess you can't really walk away from it because it's really important but we have competitive networks now like Elon Musk Starlink, which frankly, anyone that wants good internet in the most remote areas can just get, and that's unlimited data. So I guess the NBN upgrading that doubling the the data allowance doesn't really count much towards competitiveness in a satellite space. Our government absolutely welcomes competition. We welcome Starlink. We welcome other network providers offering choice and services to regional and remote Australia. The previous Labor government had this crazy idea that a government-owned network was going to fix every problem. It never made sense. We've certainly turned around the train wreck of a project we inherited, but we take a very different view to Labor. Uh, We welcome Starlink. Uh, There are definitely uh, lots of people for whom Starlink is a very good option. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does cost more than NBN, but it also, as you say, has has some speed and download advantages. Um, uh, It's a self-install model. It doesn't have an onshore customer service operation. But, of course, people in the bush are very self-reliant. There'll be plenty of people who'll say, that's fine, and it gives me uh, a service that meets my needs. So we welcome that. Of course, at the same time, um, NBN uh, is a lot more cost-effective, and there'll be plenty of people uh, for whom NBN is the more viable alternative. But we think the more choice, the better 
and its uh, its customers or end users who, who who benefit as a result. Now, I'd hate to think that people are making um, voting decisions based purely on their internet at home, but let's just assume they are if we have a choice. Um, going back to the fibre to the node um, community, um, and I know full well uh, one of my longest-term listeners, Rob Rigby, has already ordered and the installation has begun of that fibre upgrade. Um, so that I understand that work is being done and it's a brilliant upgrade, but I think there is a difference between where you are able to put a number and a date on things and where Labor is making a pledge. I believe Labor's pledge is 3.5 million premises out of the 4.1 million fibre to the node will get access to that sort of fibre to the node speed. Um, for someone that's outside of your the, the current NBN fibre to the node um, suburb list, what guarantees can they get that they're ever going to be on that list? Well, Trevor, what I'd say is this. Anybody who thinks that they're going to get a better NBN service under a Labor government, I just urge you to look at their actual track record when they're in government. They were absolutely hopeless. Labor cannot deliver. Um, what is very clear is that the path in terms of that two million uh, premises where people will be able to upgrade from fibre to the node to fibre to the premises, the path is absolutely identical mm-hmm. between our government and uh, Total. Labor. But uh, for the other the two other, million? Well, but the other point I'd make is this. If you look at the statement of expectations that I gave uh, as shareholder minister um, to the to the ACCC and to the NBN, um, in my statement of expectations, I've said that the government has uh, really a number of expectations of the uh, of NBN, and that includes um, that there will be um, continued uh, investment. So precisely my exact words were NBN should continue to invest in upgrading its network repaying its debt to the Commonwealth and delivering an appropriate positive return to shareholders. So I'd really say to your listeners, look at what we've done today. We said in 2013 and consistently since then, priority number one, fix up this train wreck of a project and get the network rolled out. And then we said priority number two, once we've got the rollout back on track, we'll then look at upgrading the network. And, of course, the announcement we made then was 2 million uh, premises uh, and uh, presently fibre of the node uh, to have the capacity to water fibre of the premises within that overall 8 million that would be able to water a speed of up to 1 gigabit per mm. second. So we've we've set a pretty clear direction. Uh, Labor's chosen uh, to uh, make a particular promise right now. They've got no idea, by the way. They're just making up the numbers. Um, you, can't, uh, you can't trust them to deliver. Their track record's been hopeless. Um, we're clear on what we are committing to. Uh, but I just say to people, look at the path you've seen from us. We've rolled out the network as we said we would. We we uh, then committed to upgrades as we said we would. Uh, and um, I've been pretty clear in the language I've used, for example, including in my statement of expectations, uh, you know, ministerial document yep. that um, uh, I expect the NBN to continue to invest in the upgrade of its network. If you continue as Minister for Communications under a Morrison coalition government for another term, can we assume or confirm that the NBN will retain, uh, remain in government ownership or is there move towards privatisation? Oh, look, what I've consistently said on that is that our priority for the foreseeable future continues to be leveraging the NBN for maximum economic and social benefit. You know, we put a lot of taxpayers' money into this yeah. uh, and what we want to be doing is, as I say, leveraging it for economic and social benefit. That's our priority. Um, there is no difference between the position of the two parties in terms of ownership of uh, NBN. You know, when Labor were in government, they legislated uh, that there were uh, a series of steps ahead of uh, any privatisation of NBN. So that was the direction Labor set. There is no no difference between the two parties on these issues and certainly in the foreseeable future. My focus is uh, on leveraging the economic and uh, social benefits that we can get from the NBN. The other big part of your portfolio has been online safety and you've yep. made ma- massive leaps and bounds in this space mm-hmm. uh, with regards to online safety laws, anti-trolling, cyberbullying, and I don't think anyone can kind of step away from that level of legislation. In fact, I, I argued uh, to many people when, not argue, but I spoke about when Elon Musk bought Twitter and he talked about it being a, yeah, an open platform, but he talk, he used the words, if I remember correctly, authenticating all humans. 
Yeah. What did you think when he said that? Because it felt to me like he read your your policy and legislation documents. <laughs> Look, we have been very consistent in our view that the rule of law must apply online as well as offline. And we've, uh, from, from the time we came to government in 2013, we committed to establish what we then called a children's e-safety commissioner. We committed to legislate uh, to deal with the challenge of cyberbullying directed at Australian children. We brought those laws in. They took effect in 2015. Broadened that body's responsibilities now, the e-safety commissioner. We've got legislation dealing with abhorrent violent material online, like the atrocious Christchurch mosque attack, where the murder of over 50 people was live-streamed on Facebook. Uh, we've got material dealing with um, the unauthorised sharing of intimate images, which is a terrible problem, overwhelmingly affecting women and girls. Absolutely devastating if you have a, a, a you know nude image of yourself um, posted online. Yep. Uh, and, and so powers to require that material to be taken down very quickly. We introduced our Tough New Online Safety Act last year. Um, and so we have been pretty consistent. We have expectations of the big social media platforms uh, they need to be working to keep uh, their users safe online. Our legislation sets out the power for the minister to issue what are called the basic online safety expectations. And so I welcomed uh, the kind of things that uh, were being said there. Let's wait and yep. see what actually gets delivered. But there's no doubt that far and away the parties that have the power to most effectively and immediately introduce practical uh, safety uh, improvements for digital platform users are the digital platforms themselves, themselves. the big social media platforms. I notice in, in the um, policy, I guess, plan outlined on the Liberal Party website as I'm just kind of browsing it, there's a section around strengthening the classification system to protect yes. kids. Look, as a father of three, I've got to be honest, I think it's one of the biggest issues. I mean, we, there's so many things in this, and I get it that um, that the eSafety Commission and others are doing, but I find it staggering that YouTube, for example, is a platform that is allowed to have content on it that is completely unclassified. Now, it's actually never – it never gets to the point where it's, shall we say, X or R rated, but yeah. it, there is no rating system on the most popular video platform online, YouTube. And so kids – while there is a kids' version of YouTube, kids don't want that. Kids want to yeah. see stuff like Mr. Beast that's on the normal platform and then they can go down a rabbit hole. Is there anything the government can do to ensure that YouTube and others do more to classify content? So we have given the eSafety Commissioner uh, tough new powers in this area as well. Um, with, there's a particular focus on uh, material that would be refused classification or X, so okay. things like... Yeah. Um, uh, really awful uh, child sexual abuse material and so on. And in particular, the previous legislation uh, limited the powers the eSafety Commissioner could exercise if the material was hosted overseas. We've removed that distinction. And the eSafety Commissioner has built up a lot of practical expertise. If, for example, a website on which uh, this kind of material is hosted refuses to respond uh, to an approach from her office uh, because it's based overseas then uh, the office can go to, for example, Google or the other um, uh, index platforms, uh, uh, index programs, mm. and um, uh, ask them to, for example, uh, de-index uh, an objectionable site so it doesn't come up in the search process. Or the app stores are another important gateway that people are using. Mm. And indeed, we've now given the eSafety Commission a legal power under Australian law in those areas under the Act. So... The point is, um, uh, there's no doubt that the internet raises new challenges in how to classify material and provide that vital consumer information, particularly for parents. We are giving you continuing to look at this area very carefully. Uh, yes, a few communications in a black spot. <laughs> Can't win them all. Uh, communications relies on great phone networks, but they're private. It's not the NBN. Uh, and <laughs> the minister's phone has dropped out. So um, we may have to leave him there because I feel like um, I did say 20 minutes to them. It has been 20 minutes. Uh, uh, he may try and call back. He is calling back. I'll get him on the line right now. Minister, sorry, I lost you there. 
Um, yes, indeed. Just so quickly. Travelling through a tunnel. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> the tunnels should have more mobile services. Minister for Communications, fix that. Um, just two things uh, that, that are of interest to me. Um, uh, parental controls and, and I guess parenting. I feel like there's a little bit too much government saying, you know, parents need this and do that. But then I realise there's a lot of parents who just aren't savvy and therefore need yes. e-safety commissioner and government assistance. Is education the answer here? I mean, do we just need more TV campaigns? Do we just need more campaigns that tell parents what things are? Because all the things are there. Things exist yeah. to, to have parental controls so, on so, computers. So, but but yeah. should so, government let, be involved? Well, let me pick you up on that point, Trevor. You're right that uh, most um, – so the provision of parental controls is pretty widespread, whether it's on Apple devices, Android devices – uh, whether it's on yep. uh, PCs and so on. It exists. What we've said in the announcement that the Prime Minister uh, and I made together with Erin uh, Molan, who's been a strong advocate on these issues just a week or so ago, was that we want um, parental controls to be more visible and easy to use. Mm -hmm. As you know, when you set up a new smartphone, the features that the device manufacturers want you to see come up very smoothly and easily. Uh, we want parental controls to come up just as smoothly and easily. We want it to be easy for parents to use. Okay. And so the tools are there. We want them to be more visible and easier to use and easier to set. I mean, I'm a big fan of the education part of thing, and I think that whatever we do, any money should be invested in just simply educating parents on what's there and ensuring that they know that and how they can use them. Just finally, and you may correct me, I don't know if it's actually in your remit, but I think it is, the anti-siphoning list. Um, yes. That's currently slated to continue uh, through next year. Um, but where do we sit in a world where um, the old days, when it was first created, it was it was free-to-air versus Foxtel, and now it's feasible. It's, it's feasible that one free-to-air network could have rights to a certain day of the week, Amazon could have rights to another, uh, Foxtel could have rights to another day. Where do we sit on the anti-siphoning and the modern broadcast world? The first point to make is that the anti-siphoning laws, which first came into force in the, in the mid-1990s, uh, continue to exist. Indeed, as Communications Minister, I extended them through to April 2023. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that certain critical, important uh, sporting events, be it an AFL or NRL grand final, be it the Olympics, cannot, uh, the rights for those cannot be given to subscription television, so Foxtel, without free-to-air TV first having been given the opportunity to bid for the rights. Okay. Now, um, uh, some, some people have been asking the question, well, what would happen if uh, Amazon... Uh, were to write a billion dollar check for the Australian rights to the Olympics <laughs> to take a hypothetical example. Mm. So the first point I'd make is that in terms of the uh, rights that are most likely to be of interest to people, which are NFL and ARL, sorry, NRL and AFL, mm. uh, uh, um, they are locked in until uh, 2024 for AFL, AFL and 2027 for 2027 NRL. to NRL. Second thing is, um, uh, what we've said we intend to do if we're back in government is to have a review uh, of anti-siphoning. We'll do that well in advance of the April 2023 expiry date, and that will let us look at the question, for example, of, okay, what are the issues in terms of um, uh, streaming services and sport? Mm. I, I make the point that it's it's um, it, th there's a number of factors here. So, Streaming services can allow the provision of coverage of a sport which isn't mass market enough uh, to justify being on free-to-air. Mm. So and they're actually so providing greater benefit to consumers in many ways also, th straight up. Right. And, and indeed to the sporting codes because, you know, every sporting code would like as many people as possible to see mm. their games. But if you take, say, um, KO... Uh, to, you know, a Foxtel. Have you been watching service. the hot dog eating championships on KO? Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard the time because, during the campaign, because that is not on free to air or subscription yeah. TV. Um, Indeed, and but it's so a good, it, is, it's a great example. Yeah, because you know they're able to show sports that um, they couldn't make an economic case to show on the main free to air nine. Uh, sorry, on the, 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 that a, a free to air broadcaster couldn't necessarily make the economic case to show. Mm. Um, 
and it's taking advantage of the capacity of, of technology um, to give people uh, new and different choices. So I, I guess what people want to hear is that, that, you know, they're big checkbooks of the global giants, whether it's Apple yeah. TV, Amazon, because, uh, uh, you know, Channel 9, Channel 7 can make an, yeah. an economic case to bid a couple of million bucks for the rights to yeah. the Olympics. But yeah. if a big overseas company just goes, we don't care, and writes a bigger yeah. check, um, we need protection for the, the general community to ensure they don't need to subscribe to see the, you know, men's 50 metre free. Well, look, uh, that's always been the policy rationale for anti-cycling. Like, how do you make these major iconic sporting events, uh, how do you ensure they continue to be available for free? Um, that, of course, is going to be the lens through which we'll look at this issue when we do have a look at it. Um, our, you know, the policies of the two major parties are identical. We're both, we both said we're going to have a review of anti-siphoning. Um, and, of course, um, you know, critical to this is how do you make sure that these iconic sporting events uh, are not locked up behind a paywall? Um, that's what this review will have a look at. Um, and, uh, you know, it's an important piece of work. I'd be happy to be involved in the review, having worked in broadcast rights and TV and radio for a very long time. Very final thing, I promise. Um, Free TV has a campaign around the easy access of free-to-air television on smart TVs because when you buy yep. a smart TV these days, it's pretty much just, here's an app, and you know they're, they're clipping the ticket on app subscriptions and things like that. Yep. Is, there, is there a commitment at your end that the, the, what the free TV wants, which is easy access to free-to-air television for a TV owner, um, will be there? Look, this is the issue of uh, what's called uh, uh, prominence. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you yep. uh, observed it myself, uh, you know, we bought a new smart TV for the family about a month ago. And, uh, of course, when you turn it on, um, uh, you get a whole lot of icons there. One of them is the free-to-wear uh, icon, but there's a whole bunch of others as well. Um, and so we've said that... Uh, you know, we're going to have a look at this issue. Um, we've established what's called a future of broadcasting uh, working group. And uh, I've said that I certainly want them to give me rapid advice on that issue. And um, that uh, that's something that, uh, you know, we would envisage uh, taking a, a close uh, look at. Um, and I've said actually in the statement I issued that I consider that an obvious question for the working group in developing its advice is whether the charging of a fee, that's the fee by the, uh, the, uh, mm -hmm. the, that set the television set manufacturer, whether the charging of such a fee is consistent with the longstanding Australian government policy objective of maximising the availability of free-to-air television services. It's a, it's a tough campaign. You're in a reasonably safe place in your own electorate, but the government has a lot of work to do, and I hope that uh, you get all the success and luck you have because at this point no one else wants to talk to me. So... Um, I support you just because you're the only one talking to me at this point. <laughs> Paul Fletcher, I good really you, appreciate you your time. Great work and good to chat. Thanks indeed. Taking your calls, if you've got a tech question, go to the website eftm.com and click on Ask Trev. Dave did that. G'day, David. How are you, Trev? Really good, mate. What can I do for you? I'm after Sony TV, the 85-inch. Uh-huh. I was wondering what you go. Tell us about it, mate. Um, I mean, it's not cheap, is it? Um, what are we talking to you? There's a couple. So, are you talking about the X85 or the That's X95? The 95, 95. The 95. Yeah. Okay. Full array dimming, much better picture with Google TV built in. Mate, there will be a new version, obviously a 2022 version. Um, my my sense is it's one of those ones I wouldn't look over my shoulder to. Like if you pay five and a half thousand dollars for that TV, it, it, is it going to be four and a half in six months? I don't know, maybe. But see, supply chain issues with this whole Shanghai shutdown thing. There's no guarantee there's going to be many TVs at all, which is why you haven't seen a lot of discounting already. Yeah, so, that's right. at that price, it's a good price too, actually, mate. It's a good price. It's a beautiful TV. Like, no dramas with it? No dramas with it? No, nah, mate. I oh, I reckon Sony have come the, the the most distance in terms of improving not only their reputation but their TVs over the last kind of three or four years. Having Google TV built in is a massive win. Um, it's only 4K, but that's totally fine. I'm not too stressed about that. There is an 8K version, but that's crazy money, and it's also yeah, that's big, big. That's big dollars, that thing. But it's also a big, big chunky thing as well. Um, oh, are you putting this on the wall or are you putting it flat yeah, on the – on the wall, mate, on the wall. Okay. And are you, are you thinking about going soundbar with it as well? Because yeah, I think about the new Bose 900. 
Oh, that's very nice. Look, you're not going to be disappointed with that home theatre setup, my friend. Um, what apps do you use? What What are you looking to install on it? Oh, not me. The kids, mate, they're into that. Not me, the mate. kids are getting this TV? What? <laughs> oh, the PlayStation, mate. I'll keep them happy. Mate, well, the PlayStation's going to go very, very nicely on it. But because what I'm saying is because it's Google TV, yeah. you've got you got serious capabilities in terms of just, just the number of apps that, that exist on it. So you won't have any issues with the compatibility for all your major um, streaming services. It's got Chromecast built in for, for your phone screen, screen if you want to. Um, I'm just trying to remember, though, where it sits with um, HDMI 2.1, um, which obviously is fantastic for the um, for the PlayStation. Yeah, 4K, 120 frames per second, HDMI 2.1. Mate, I reckon... What have you got now? What size TV have you got now? Uh, 75. It's a Sony. <laughs> and you've got another Sony. Yeah, so you're going from one, 70, where's, where's the 75 going to go? Into the man cave or something? No, uh, out in the garage, I think. <laughs> Not a bad thing, mate. You get you, you, you don't get the best, but you get something half decent. My only other thing is, have you looked at what else you get in that price range? Um, because obviously there's that oh, you know constant question about, you know, OLED. Um, it is definitely a fantastic technology. Probably the best TV technology out there, but you know, money-wise, you're not going to get something that big. So if it's size you want, then that's the only one to get. Basically, oh, is what I'm saying. Fair enough. That sounds good, man. My only thing, just quickly looking at JB. Yep. Uh, if you definitely want 85, this won't appeal. But the 75-inch 8K Samsung Neo QLED. Is, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is five eight. Now. Go and have a look at that in store. The reason I always tell people to look at this TV is because it's it's borderless. There's no bezel around the outside. It is stunning up on a wall. It looks like there is. It looks like the picture's just floating there. But oh, right, again, that's yeah. 75 inches, so that's no size upgrade on the one you've got. Yeah. So the kids won't be happy, but it is 8K, <laughs> so it future future proofing just a touch more. Oh right, yeah, fair enough then. All right, Dave. Good luck. Happy shopping. No, thanks very much. Thanks for Cheers, buddy. Good on you. Uh, and if you've got a question like Dave, just go to the website, eftm.com. Um, whew, imagine going to the shops and saying I've got five and a half to spend on a TV. I hope Dave got approval from the Minister of War or Finance for that. My wife would lose her brain if I spent five grand on a TV. Anyway, some people have all the luck. <laughs> All right, thank you for listening. I appreciate you uh, subscribing and dialing in and all those kind of things. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another edition of the EFTM podcast. You never know who we'll talk to then um, because it is what it is every week. But thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Love to hear you and read your reviews if you've got them. Uh, and as always, you can get in touch really easily with me. Just go to the website, EFTM.com. Click on Ask Trev. Come straight to my inbox. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, folks. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. <laughs>